if you constantly are sending promotional emails, I'm never going to pay full price because I know that you have a deal. Hey everyone, this is Nazara Keel from Max Pro. Hi, I'm Linda. And I'm Paul. And we're Love and Pebbles. Hi, this is Lopa Vandermersch from Rasa. Oh, you're listening to, and you're listening, and you are listening to, to the Ecom Show. Welcome to the Ecom Show, presented by Blue Tusker, the number one place to hear the inside scoop from other e-commerce experts where they share their secrets on how they scaled their business and are now living the dream. Now, here is your host, Andrew Math. I'm your host, Andrew Maftone, and today I'm going to talk to you about the truth behind page speed optimization. And the truth is that it doesn't matter. Could you imagine if I actually started this podcast like that? That would be bullshit. Clearly it matters. And if by now it's not obvious why it matters, it, it gets much, much worse where you really should understand it now because Google is even starting to say things. So let me dive in here. So Google came out in, over the summer saying that they're catering more towards uh, user um, engagement, right? So page speed is obviously one thing, which is why we're doing this. Um, but time spent on page uh, engagement maybe that someone took on the page, they're starting to really leverage that and they are 100% uh, indexing mobile first and they obviously are looking at page speed, which is why I'm talking about this now. So page speed, the reason it's so important is because the hard thing that is difficult to grasp and I, I have this conversation a lot with people when I go, oh great, your page speed's at like an average of six seconds is not good because they go, well, when I loaded it, it loaded in like two seconds. You are an e-commerce seller. You're a marketer. You're a founder of a business. Chances are you make decent money. You have great Wi-Fi. Not everyone has that. Not everyone has incredibly fast Wi-Fi. Not everyone has the newest phone that came out. Not everyone is in an area that has great Wi-Fi all the time. So if your site is loading at an average of six seconds, that's not good because the average person has a attention span of like, I think it's four and a half seconds right now or something. That's basically like that of a goldfish. And it's getting worse. It's slowing down thanks to all this beautiful digital marketing we're doing. Um, but so the thing I wanted to touch on, oh, how to actually do this page speed optimization. So I'm a fan of GT metrics. That's what I use to test my website. So all you really do is take the URL, throw it in GT metrics, and we'll give you a rate. Uh, it gives you three different um, grades of how your website is doing, desktop, mobile, and I think overall or something like that. And then it will list all the issues that you have, and it will give you a grade on those things too. So reducing the page speed, no, usually. See, this is what happens. I'll lose my train of thought about what the hell I'm talking about because I have my notes here, and it's messing shit up. So Google... Obviously, Google is caring more about time, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let's jump into it. The things I do to reduce page speed. Most of this crap I give to my developers because I don't know how to do the real like technical stuff, like the structural changes and all the code in the back end. So I had them help me with this one. So first thing you want to do is enable compression. So this is compressing images or allowing like images to shrink down or compressing all of the code so that the code will run faster. You also want to minify the CSS, jobs, JavaScript, and HTML. And I had to ask, what the hell does that mean? 
a lot of times I just give them a website and I go, please make this faster. And they go, we're on it. And then I'll send them like, hey, here's a cool article on page speed stuff. And they'll go, great. Some of this is good. And then like, they'll just do it. So I'm sorry to get these notes from them. So <laughs> minifying the CSS. So it's basically taking out the unnecessary code. Sometimes there's code in your website you just don't need and it's kind of redundant or it's slowing stuff down or maybe something is loading before something else is loading and it should be the other way around. There's a lot of stuff there. So minifying it basically means like reducing the amount of code you have. Um, reducing redirects. Redirects happen. Sometimes you change a site. Sometimes you change the URL. Uh, you're doing SEO stuff. So you're going to shorten your URLs or anything like that. So you change all that stuff around. So use something like Moz or SEMrush or SEMrush or Ahrefs or anything like that. It will tell you you have some redirects. A one-time redirect. So someone clicks somewhere, it takes them somewhere. Turns out that place isn't there anymore. You've fixed that already. It takes them there. Not the end of the world, but it's when it happens again that you have an issue of too many redirects. But that still slows stuff down. The computer or the your server still has to think that, oh, wait, I need to send them here. If you can keep it from having to think, it will actually reduce that time. Uh, remove render blocking JavaScript. Google it. I'm not really sure what that means, but he told me it's a good one. And then leverage browser caching. So uh, caching is basically allowing the browser that you're using to remember the way that the website looks for X period of time. And it will just continue to show someone that. So instead of constantly trying to get an updated version of the website, so if your site isn't changing too, too often, I absolutely suggest doing that because it will load faster next time someone comes to your website. Um, improve, improving server response time. Uh, if you work with GoDaddy or Bluehost or something like that, talk to them, have them help you out where they can actually reduce the amount of time that it takes for the server to talk to whatever your website is. Then optimizing your images. So make sure that those images are high quality, uh, and responsive and look great, but are small. So basically figure out the size, the biggest size that you need to have it and make sure you, you only have it at that height. You don't need a two or 3000 pixel image and then uploading it onto a blog post. That's only about 600 pixels wide. So figure out a way to make sure, well, if it's on a phone, but never mind. So make sure you're reducing those images or get an app that can actually connect to it that will actually just reduce the file size of those images because images are probably one of the heavier things that have to load that or video. Um, and then the last thing I had was turn your blog post into AMP. So it's accelerated mobile pages. So basically what that is, is you're taking all of the content that you've written in your blog post and you're there's an app for all this kind of crap. So you basically just connect it and say, here's my title, here's my description, here's the author, here's this, just like you would do with a product catalog for Merchant Center. And it then puts it into a template that Google has created. So when you use an AMP page on Google, it's not going to be as pretty. It's not going to have all the cool bells and whistles that your website may have. You can obviously still re redirect and it'll still be pixeled and things like that, but it's going to load in like a second flat. Like it's ridiculously flat, uh, fast. If you've ever done instant articles on Facebook, it's the same concept. So it's basically native to Google. Instant articles are native to Facebook. So they will load much, much quicker. Um, I suggest do those for blog posts. I don't like doing them for products because all the extra bells and whistles that I do have, I want to keep. Um, but for a blog post, when they're just there to get some information, I want that to load as fast as it can. Um, and then always just keep an eye on what your average speed is on Google uh, Analytics. Uh, so go check it out. Make sure you watch it. I check it probably every week or two. 
Um, when we do like an audit, which is usually on like a monthly basis, it will obviously get checked then and we'll document where it's been at. But sometimes you will see that it will spike or something and you need to figure out what did you do on that day that caused it to spike? Or maybe it's slowly trending up. Like when did the trend start? I need to figure out what happened there because site speed is becoming big. It's becoming a real thing where you need to get that down to as low as you possibly can. Everyone always asks me what's a good page speed and it kind of depends on the page. My personal preference, I like to get it down to an average of three seconds or less. Two and a half is usually better for me. Um, but again, kind of depends on how much stuff you have in your site. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how I do my user interface, user experience testing, uh, for free, basically. So a lot of companies don't want to spend the money to get, you know, 30, 40 people into a room and feed them lunch and pay them for their time and have them use their website and do a ton of market research just on a new website. What I prefer to do is leverage the people that are around me. So here's the first thing we do. So if we create uh, a website in-house, I'm actually going to leverage people who have who weren't on the project. So if you've never seen this website before uh, and you're in our office and you're not even really sure what so-and-so is working on, you're perfect. So I want you to come in and I'm going to go, here is uh, what this website offers. So I'm going to pretend that you saw an ad and you kind of know already what it offers. Here's what I want you to find. Here's what I want you to add to your cart. Here's where I want you to check out. And then I'll set up a screen recording. So I'll typically do like Loom or something like that. I'll step back. <clears throat> Me and someone else will watch them use it and we'll take notes on what they're doing if there's something that stood out to us. So this is someone who has some experience, obviously, in marketing or obviously in e-commerce. So they're going to be a little bit quicker, but they're going to find the obvious stuff, like the stuff where you go, crap, why didn't we even think of that? So they're going to kind of help you hammer out the, the garbage in the beginning. Back to the drawing board and clean the site up, then take it out of the office. So if you're a seller and you're doing your own site at home or you're doing your own in the office or something like that, take it out of the office. Take it to friends, take it to family, someone who doesn't have knowledge in the industry and ask them the same thing. Maybe change up the product that they're looking for, something like that, but then have them go and do it. And you're going to want to take notes. You're going to want to know what they're doing. But you're this is free market research. This is friends and family. Maybe the most money you'll spend is enough to buy them lunch or give them a gift card or something like that. There's a seller I know who pulls someone out of his warehouse um, once a month to do this, who where even after he's not changing anything on his website, he's still just trying to get extra information into what is someone doing. There are paid ways. You can do heat maps. You can do things like today's feature tool, which is Optimizely. And you can obviously set up a heat map or you can actually record and see how some people are actually using your website or what the average person is or how many like clicks a certain button is getting or anything like that. And you can A-B test and it's a whole other story. That's a paid side. The free side is leveraging the people around you. You have to think of the things that you have available to you and how you can leverage it. And if you have anyone around you that you can even just offer to just buy them lunch, if they can sit there and go and use the website and then take notes on what it is they're doing. Um, then you always want to make sure that you are recording what they're doing because you might not be able to catch everything that they're doing. You're also going to want someone else to look at it and take notes on what might be happening. And then you can go back and look at it. And usually what I prefer to do is to keep all that in a, in a file and I can actually go through the different phases of so-and-so did this and then went here, but so-and-so did this and then went here and I can kind of compare and contrast. So I always suggest recording it and keeping as much information as you can. 
Um, my favorite thing to do is after I've done it in the office, I leverage my spouse. I have my wife come in and I'll offer her a glass of wine and go, hey, here, sit down and, and buy some stuff on this site. And then I will watch how she does it. And I'm going to make sure that she's going where I intended her to go, or maybe she's struggling, or maybe there's a button she thought was a button that's not a button, or, you know, there's a ton of different issues that can go on there. Um, these work best for new site launches. If you just clean up one page, it can be a little bit difficult to get someone to do this. This might, that type of thing might be better with a heat map or something through Optimizely or however you want to do that. But if you're doing a new site or even a new brand, a new rebranding or just kind of an overall revamp of things, this is when I would suggest to leverage the people that are around you to actually test everything out for you. I'm going to be giving Privy so much love. Um, recently, they just announced that they are going to be releasing a book. I think it's in October. Uh, if you don't know who Privy is, Privy came out years ago. And right when they came out, I was like, oh, you know what? This is the easiest pop-up I have ever created. A lot of them were really limiting. I couldn't make them as branded as I wanted them to. I was like, this is great. And they were doing really well. I loved it. There were, I had no issues with them. They were super nice. The customer service was amazing. The price was like nothing in comparison to some of these other companies that are doing pop-ups. And the integrations with all the different uh, email marketing platforms were amazing. And then all of a sudden, they just blew up. They have been everywhere. Their content is nuts. They have their own podcast, which when this one's over, and you've listened to all of mine, then you can go over to theirs, uh, which is also e-commerce related. But today, I'm uh, now, by the way, they're doing like SMS, and they're doing email marketing, and they're doing all this extra stuff. But I'm going to focus on the pop-ups today. So obviously, I wanted to touch on all of the main pop-ups that you should definitely be setting up, or at least be testing. So your first one is obviously the most common one. It's your welcome series. This is when someone first comes to your website. Hopefully it's the first time they've been to your website. You really don't want to show it too often, but this is kind of your standard where it's like sign up, get 10% off and join our newsletter and stuff like that. Um, abandoned cart is another one where someone adds to the cart and then they go to leave. So they may be leaving by, typically it's by almost like a browser abandonment. So, or, um, or kind of like an exit intent, which I'll touch on, but they're in the cart and they go to leave and you can actually have an immediate pop-up show up right before they leave that can maybe offer them a discount or maybe just ask them to reconsider or something along those lines. You could even just show them a list of questions that they may be thinking about. Exit intent, which is the one I previously just mentioned, but decided to go into a banned cart is the same concept, but for someone who's not in the cart. So someone who's on your website, who goes to exit out of the browser, this will trigger and essentially ask them to stay on the site. A lot of times we'll use a really small discount here to try to keep them going, but it kind of depends on your branding. Discounts aren't great for everyone. Um, then you have content specific. So if you're doing a lot of blog, blog posting and things like that, which I hope you are, uh, you can do a lot of different pop-ups that are related to the content they're on. So the nice thing that I like about Privy, and again, they're not paying me to do this, but nice thing I like about Privy is that you can really harness the targeting by saying only show on pages with this in the URL or only show to people coming from Instagram or if the source is this or anything along those lines. And so if you're making a lot of content that's relevant to a certain category and you have some kind of offer that you want to give to them or you have some kind of ebook or white paper or anything like that, this is a great way to kind of hone in that segmented audience. Uh, user specific. So if someone is coming specifically from Instagram, like I just mentioned, or if they're coming specifically from, let's say you did an ad campaign 
uh, on Forbes and you uh, had them click over. Well, if the source is from Forbes, you can have a certain pop-up show up for them and you can say, well, you just saw us in Forbes. So that means you're interested in this. They'll have to click here or something like that. Uh, so think about where they're coming from and you can actually change your copy and your creative based on that. And then last but not least is for campaigns. So obviously, if you're doing a holiday campaign with Black Friday coming up and you're doing something very similar, you can change all the branding and change all your pop-ups so that every pop-up that does show up is similar to your campaign and that will keep your branding going. Those are all the ones I wanted to mention. A quick little bonus there is I would tweak them all to be one for mobile and one for desktop and duplicate them because mobile doesn't like it when it shows up and it takes up the entire screen. Common sense, but hey, what are you going to do? going to talk to you about Google's new file format, WebP. Now, here's the thing. When you hear, when you, when you hear file format, you must think, wow, this episode's going to be great and it's super fun. Hear me out. It's not as boring as it sounds. So I subscribe to a software called Exploding Topics. It's really cool. So it basically shows you trends of of basically keywords that are just getting used anywhere. So it could be on Twitter, it could be on on Google, it could be just anywhere in general. And they basically scrape the entire internet to see like, what are people talking about? And a few weeks ago, WebP came up and I was like, what? I don't know what that is. So I looked it up and now I'm part of that trend. So essentially WebP is a new image file format that Google has released and the statistics behind it are, are crazy. So it is 26% smaller than PNGs, and it is anywhere from 25 to 34% smaller than a JPEG. So essentially, it's a new image format that is much, much smaller, but the resolution is the exact same. So think of, uh, of Silicon Valley, where they kind of like did that whole data compression thing. I don't know what the hell any of that means, but it sounds cool, and it means that stuff is faster. And what is Google like? faster stuff. So it may be uh, tied to the fact that Google just released that new algorithm update over the summer that involved page speed and and the way that people use a website. Um, But here's the thing. I highly suggest that you, uh, there's a ton of different converters on, on Google now that you can use where you can upload an image and change it to a WebP. I don't think there's a Shopify app yet. I'm not going to be the one to create it, but if someone out there can create it, that will just bulk change all of your imagery. But if you can speed up your site to that extent by reducing the file size of your images, you're going to see a big increase in page speed. So we've started to do this with bigger images that we're uploading on websites, and we're currently doing it for new images that go onto a website. Uh, We haven't gotten into going back and starting to do past images, Um, but I highly suggest Going forward, change all of your imagery from a JPEG or from a PNG. If you're going to upload it onto a website, make it a WebP. It will upload and it will load significantly faster and you'll start to see that page speed dropping real fast. Thank you for tuning in to the Ecom Show. Head over to ecomshow.com to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or on the Blue Tusker YouTube channel. The Ecom Show is brought to you by Blue Tusker a full-service digital marketing company specifically for e-commerce sellers looking to accelerate their growth. Go to bluetusker.com now for more information.
Make sure to tune in next week for another amazing episode of The Ecom Show.